Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. As a body of Christ, especially in these days, and it just makes me happy to be with you. It makes me happy that we get a chance to come and to sing about him, to lift him up, and also to study God's word about Jesus, who it is our very heartbeat to make much of Jesus together today. So whether you're here with us physically or joining us digitally this morning, we are so grateful that you are here. And here's the truth we know. You ready? That joy is found in Christ and Christ alone. Joy is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. He is to be our chief joy, our greatest joy, and the joy in our life above any other, our first joy. Today, as we continue our joy journey through this study of the book of Philippians, we see how Paul begins now. Listen, you know what? We're in, we're in chapter 3. We, this is our 13th message in Philippians. And we have finally made it into chapter 3. And as we begin to look at chapter 3, we watch as Paul transitions from chapter 2 to chapter 3. And he begins to address various warnings that he has for the church at Philippi. But what we begin to notice here is that Paul pivots here in verse 1 of chapter 3, and he pivots in such a way that is is purposeful and it's powerful. And really what it does is it takes us, the reader, back to the theme of the letter, the backdrop to Paul's writing, and the choice that Paul has made, even though his circumstances in life are difficult. Hey, that choice, that backdrop, that theme, you guessed it. Joy. The church at Philippi, made up of Epaphroditus, the pastor. Lydia, the wealthy seeker, the wealthy merchant, the once demon-possessed slave girl, the once suicidal jailer. All of these who comprise this Philippian church, Paul is reminding them in a very big reality check for them that they very well may find themselves in chains facing persecution. They themselves may suffer because of their faith in Jesus, just like Paul is suffering and just like Paul is suffering as he's writing this letter from Rome. Here's what we find. If you take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 3, let's take a look at this pivot point together. And today we camp out on one verse together. Philippians chapter 3. Furthermore, My brothers, Paul writes, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord. To write these same things to you is no trouble to me, for it is safe to you. Or some of your translations may say, it is a safeguard to you. I love this part because it's very interesting to me. For you know what Paul does here? He gives us indication that there are other letters that you and I have lost to history throughout the centuries. There are other letters that he has written, and all that we have are the 13 that remain here in the Word of God. In fact, we know that Paul must have written other letters. He wrote from 48 AD to 64 AD, some 16 years. And there are a lot of those letters that are lost to history, but we're reminded of these 13 letters in the New Testament. And what's amazing about these 
is that these are the ones that alone were inspired of God, or as Paul would write in 2 Timothy 3.16, were God-breathed. So as we look at this God-breathed text today, I want us to do this, and I want to challenge you here. You ready? I want to challenge you on the necessity for each of us to hit the joy reset button every day in our life and our faith. The necessity for each of us to hit the joy reset button in our life and in our faith every day. Hey, you know what a reset button does, don't you? Man, if I were to go back here on my computer and this thing ain't working right, I, I can... I can hit a joy reset button, right? I can hit a reset button on it. Here, here's what happens. On the items and things you and I use the most each day, there are reset buttons that exist for when those things that we use the most, when they just don't work right. I can go to my computer, there's a reset button. I can go on my iPhone, there is a reset button. Your Alexa in the house has a reset button. If you've got an electronic washing machine, you've got a reset button. Even garbage disposals have a reset button on there somewhere. Remember, reset buttons exist when things that we use the most just don't work right. They, they don't work as they're supposed to. They don't operate in a way they were created to operate. You know, the same is true with us. When our joy in Jesus isn't working right in our lives, you know what you and I need? We need to hit the joy reset button. We need to hit it. Just like Paul does here in chapter 3, verse 1. When you and I are in seasons of discouragement or defeat, or maybe we find ourselves in seasons of being distracted in our faith, or seasons of dealing with sin, you know what's important for the believer? To come back to the place where we hit the joy reset button in our life. And you know what it does? Just like it does here in chapter 3, verse 1. Hitting a joy reset button reminds us of this. It reminds us of the very one who's at the real center of our joy. It reminds us of who our greatest joy is, and that is Jesus. So let's begin today to unpack this text together. And as we begin to do that, there's a word that catches my attention at the end of verse 1. And it's the word safe, or maybe in some of your translations, safeguard. And isn't that a buzzword in our culture, in our community today? Safe. It's what we all desire. It's what we all long for. Everything is about being safe. Safety is priority number one in our culture, in our community. In fact, our government has greatly increased its power under the guise of safety. I got to thinking about the safeguards that we have going on today. You have safer at home orders, right? That just sounds better than stay at home, doesn't it? It just makes it easier to swallow, I guess. Safer at home orders. You've got mask. I'm going to try it now. My mic's going to mess up a little bit here, but you just, somebody made me an Ant-Man mask. I love it, right, for Anthony? Anyway, somebody made this for me, dear friend. All right, you have mask. You know what? Nowadays, you got to wear two because coronavirus can get in the eyeballs. You ready? Shields? No, wait, I think it shielded my mic. Shields? Not only that, you got gloves that you need to wear. 
just to make you safe. And by the way, these one size fit all, that's a lie. Just so you know. This is what they all look like on my hand. In fact, you not only have this, but you have Germex that you pour over your body. This is what safe looks like in our culture, right? We find it in the scripture. We find it in our culture. And y'all ought to see the way Pastor David comes to our staff meetings every week. And it's ridiculous. <laughs> Listen, every week, <laughs> that is Pastor David in our staff meeting, measuring out six feet, making sure we stay. That actually is Pastor David, by the way. Making sure that we stay safe. You look great. Hey, let's give it up how good Pastor David looks, looking safe today. I love it. Man, safety is a buzzword around our community. And you know what? Think of all the questions we have about safety. What should I do about school and my kid this year? And man, did my heart go out to all our teachers and administrators and we're wrestling with this question even this week. How about this? When if or if ever will school start or will they ever stay in session this year? How about this question? What if Biden wins the election? What if Trump wins the election? What if they extend the mask mandate forever in our community? What if I lose my job and the government cuts our unemployment benefits? Hey, what happens if I get sick? What happens if I'm quarantined because I've been in contact with someone who's been sick? What if the state closes? Will there be a vaccine soon? See all these questions of safety? Really, one of the biggest questions in my mind is what if SEC football doesn't happen? What what are we going to do if that doesn't happen? All these questions of safety. And here's what we know to be true. There is nothing in this life that's completely safe. Safety is not a promise that even our leaders can keep no matter how well-intentioned they are. Yet Paul reminds us of this in Philippians 3.1, that Jesus is our safeguard, that Jesus is our safety. The psalmist writes in Psalm 5.11, but let all those who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, the psalmist writes, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. While life is not completely safe, our joy in Jesus is forever secure. As we talk safety and safeguard, which in the Greek literally means safety with certainty. It's literally how it's translated out. It is important that we understand what safe doesn't mean from a biblical worldview. In fact, safe doesn't mean that Jesus will take us out of every fire, but it does mean that he'll walk with us in every fire we face in life, as we found out from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel. Safe doesn't mean that God will always stop the rain from falling or the floodwaters from coming. But you know what he's really good at? Giving us the blueprints for how to handle such rains and floods and rescuing us. Just like he did Noah and his family in Genesis. You know, safe doesn't mean that you and I won't fight giants in this life from time to time. But here's what it does mean. You ready? That we won't fight them alone as we find in 1 Samuel and David's story. 
Safe doesn't mean that God won't take us out of, of every lion's den in this life. But it reminds us that God is powerful enough to shut the mouths of even lions, as we're reminded from Daniel's story. You know, safe doesn't mean that you and I may not spend a day in a storm and three nights in darkness. But it reminds us of this, you ready? That God will never abandon us as we find in the story of Jonah in the belly of that great fish in the book that bears his name. You know what? The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 46.1, church, hear me, you ready? That God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Where is our safety, where does it lie? Who is our safeguard? The psalmist in Psalm 18.2 says this, The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. For you and I to hit the joy reset button in our lives each day, in our faith, it doesn't mean that we're completely safe from harm from suffering, or even injustice. But it does mean that you and I will be safe in Jesus no matter what happens to us or around us. In John 16, listen to what Jesus reminds us as believers. You ready? I have told these things to you so that in me you will have peace. Watch this. In this world you will have trouble. You might. Not if you're you're good enough, you won't. You will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Jesus and our joy in him is our only true safeguard in life. Ran across the picture of the tallest building in the world. It resides in Dubai. It's the birth Khalifa. Now it rises some 27,000 feet above the ground, 2,700 feet above the ground, which is over, I was going to say 27,000, that's, that's Mount Everest size, 2,700 feet above the ground, which is over half a mile, tallest building in the, in the world. It has over 160 floors, twice as large as the Empire State Building in New York City. It is home to the world's fastest elevator that travels around 40 miles an hour, as if elevators weren't scary enough. This building here in Dubai hosts the world's highest observation deck on the 124th floor, the highest swimming pool on the 76th floor. But here's the secret to the stability of this massive building. You know where it lies? Underground. You know what happened is before construction began to rise up, workers spent over a year digging and pouring the massive foundation for this building that would support it. The foundation of over 58,900 cubic yards of concrete, weighing over 110,000 tons. You know what's amazing about this building? This building is safe because its foundation is strong. You know what we're reminded of here? As Paul hits the joy reset button, in Philippians 3.1, the believer is safe when his or her foundation, their joy in Jesus 
is strong. Now, as Paul writes here in Philippians chapter 3, just as as important as it was for Paul to remind the Philippian church to rejoice in verse 1, it is important that you and I remind ourselves of the importance of rejoicing in Jesus every day. This is what the joy reset button is all about. It is confronting each day and each challenge with this truth and this mindset. I want you to write down a verse if you can, or maybe write it down in a notepad. Psalm 118.24, you ready? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Declaring that truth, that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You already follow me here, Connect Church. You ready? Our mission is to connect everyone with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. We do that in three ways. We love God, we love people, and we make disciples. You may say, well, Anthony, what is discipleship? Sum it up for me. You ready? It is living out, simply, it is living out the Christian life as God has intended us to through our faith, in Jesus. Now, here's what, here's what I want us to be careful of. Is sometimes that we think once we are saved, that we're good. That we've checked off that spiritual box for our life, and, and we're all right. But the truth is, as Paul has already taught us in Philippians 2.12, that we must continue to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. And how do we do this? Through discipleship. Listen to Jesus describe this discipleship in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. The Bible says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me, Jesus says. You know what's amazing about a joy reset button that you and I need to understand? Is that hitting this button is something that you and I have got to do day by day. And at times, moment by moment, multiple times a day, it's a moment by moment discipline that you and I have. Paul said this, that our joy in Jesus, it is our safe, it is our safe guard. And so what does our joy in Jesus look like? What is hitting the joy reset button each day in our life? What does it accomplish? You ready? Number one, it allows us to regroup. When you and I are discouraged or defeated, it allows us to regroup. If you were to look at the definition of regroup, here's what it means. You ready? To reorganize, especially after an attack or being defeated. You know what's amazing is Paul writes 13 letters in the New Testament. We find account after account of how Paul goes from attacks from enemies and the enemy. And what's amazing is, is each time he would regroup after such an attack, and he reminded himself of this, that his joy ultimately was found in Jesus. In a sense, you know what he did? He hit the joy reset button in his life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, here's what he would write. You ready? We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know what regrouping does as we hit the joy reset button in our life? It reminds us of Psalm 118. That this is the day that the Lord has made. 
and I will rejoice and be glad. When discouragement comes, when we feel defeated, this is the day that the joy that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. Here's the second thing hitting the joy reset button does. You ready? It refocuses us when we're distracted. The author of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, he writes. And it is so easy to get distracted nowadays. You know, just recently, I, I literally turned off all the, the notifications on my cell phone, every one of them, except for a call and a text. I was getting hundreds of notifications from emails to social media. And, and, and honestly, I was finding myself hundreds of times a day being distracted by what pops up on my phone. And you know what I did? I turned them all off except for the two most important ones. Oh, the joy I've known since that very. This isn't, but it's so easy to get distracted. News alerts, social media. And you know what? We're distracted in our faith not only by bad things, but also good things can distract us in our faith. I love this quote from Warren Wearsby. He says this, If you cannot rejoice in your circumstances, you can always rejoice in the Lord who controls your circumstances. Fix your attention on Him. He may not change your situation, but He will change you, and that's even better, he writes. Psalmist says in Psalm 121.1, I lift my eyes Unto the hill, for where my help comes from, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The psalmist writes, you know what's amazing about you and I? Hitting the joy reset button every day in our lives and multiple times a day. It refocuses us when we are distracted and it reminds us that this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. But you know what? Hitting the joy reset button also calls us to repent when we're dealing with sin in our lives. So not only do you find ourselves in a place where we've got to regroup when we're discouraged and distracted, but hitting the joy reset button allows us to refocus when we are distracted. But hitting the joy reset button in our life calls us to repent when we're dealing with sin. Church, hear me. The biggest enemy to your joy and mine is not the devil. Most of the time, it's not someone else. It's our own sin. It's our own sin. Wednesday night, we, of course, have a Wednesday night service um, here at the church. And uh, as I was leaving out these doors, I, I noticed Mandy a, a really nice camper. I mean, they, they had to have over $100,000 in and all of their truck and their rig, it was just beautiful. But a guy had, had not watched all the signs, and he came up the wrong way, and he turned in to come up underneath this overhang. And here's the deal. He was way taller than the overhang. And so as I was walking to my car, I heard Carlos down there. He was screaming, no, no, from half a mile away. And all of a sudden, I saw what was going to happen. I said, hey, hey, no, no, stop, 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 stop. And we did everything we could in that moment to wave our arms and to yell at this guy, hey, buddy, listen, I ain't going the wrong way, but you are going to absolutely destroy your camper and you're going to destroy the overhang out here if you do not stop. And thank God we got to him in time. I'm reminded of what James writes in James chapter 1, verse 14. But each person 
is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Guys, i got to remind you, I've got to wave my arms this morning at you. I've got to yell to the top of my voice this morning to remind you of this. You ready? So many of us are flirting with sin or simply engaged in sin, and it's going to destroy you and everything around you. Whether it's the abuse of alcohol or drugs or food or pornography or adultery or some other kind of sexual sin. There's sin that we are flirting with, that we are engaged in. You know what's amazing? It's going to destroy us. It's going to hurt everything around us. So I'm waving my arms to let you know the greatest enemy of your joy and mine is sin. Let me remind you something, church. What was sin when the Bible was written? What was sin a thousand years ago? What was sin a hundred years ago? Per the word of God is still sin today. And when I talk about waving my arms about about sin and its effects, I'm telling you, I'm talking about the biblical definition of sin and not the type of definition we try to come up with to make out in our lives. And you and I, when we hit the joy reset button, we get the chance, we get the call to repent of our sins. And that means this, repentance is the act of surrendering to God while shunning, while spurning, while saying no to sin in our life. As we know this to be true, unrepentant sin in the life of a believer kills our joy in Jesus. And you know what hitting the joy reset button does? It allows you and I to say this and I'll see. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will refocus. I will regroup. I will repent. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I love this guy right here. I'm going to show you a picture of a guy I love. See, this guy's a little bit grainy, but this is Ken. And that's his, his two daughters, who are some great young, young ladies. Ken was a youth worker of mine back in Charlotte. Um, so we moved from Charlotte to here uh, to Plant Connect Church. And he was one of my youth workers. Listen, a talented Bible teacher. I mean, the high school guys love Ken. A great Bible teacher, really charismatic, worked in the Nestle Company in Charlotte and was really a successful businessman. And you know what? As faithful as faithful could be to the work that God had called him to do. I'll never forget back in February 2017, I was sitting down at the church in our student area, and Ken didn't show up for church that morning. Uh, this boy always shows up. He's always early. He's always happy, which is fairly annoying. I'd say I'm not a morning person, but he's always happy when he got there. But he wasn't there a Sunday morning. Well, I got a hold of him. I said, Ken, you all right? He said, Pastor Anthony, yesterday, out of the blue, I got a headache that was really hard on me. My brother calls me. My brother said, Ken, you need to stop what you're doing right now. You're slurring your words. Ken said, no, I'm fine. But as I was talking to him, his words were slurring. 
And so Ken goes to the emergency room thinking he has a pretty good migraine going on. They took a picture of his, his brain. They discovered a tennis ball-sized tumor right smack dab in the middle of his brain. And if that wasn't devastating enough, the diagnosis came over that he had glioblastoma cancer in his brain, which if you know anything about brain tumors, is one of the deadliest forms of cancer. It's just an ugly tumor. It spreads its tentacles all throughout your brain so hard to defeat. In fact, the five-year survival rate of someone with a glioblastoma tumor is just 6.8%. Almost seven, seven out of every hundred will be living after five years with the tumor. It's just a terrible, devastating diagnosis. Well, it was Ken's diagnosis. So I would spend time with him as he had his craniotomy where they would go in and do surgery and remove as much of the tumor as they could. And he went through surgeries and he went through doctors' visits. He started having side effects from the tumor and from the surgeries. And you know what's amazing is I walked with my friend through this especially when I was on the ground, is that Ken never has lost his joy in Jesus. Never once. Now, there were some times when the side effects, he couldn't read because he loved to read. He couldn't read the Bible because his eyes just couldn't see it. That he had to hit the joy reset button in his life. He had to regroup. He had to refocus. But you know what? He never lost his joy. Never lost his joy. I had the chance to marry him and his wife not too long after his diagnosis. And I saw the joy on his face. And I've watched him as he's gone from doctor's appointment to doctor's appointment, side effect to side effect. And he's never lost his joy. Now listen to me, church. There have been many times where he's had to hit this joy reset button in his life because he was discouraged. Or maybe was feeling a little bit defeated. There are many times he had to hit this button when he got distracted, maybe by fear or uncertainty. But one thing that always remained is even when he had to hit the button, he had to pull a Philippians 3.1 and be reminded to rejoice in the Lord. The joy of Jesus never has left. Now, just a few days ago, Ken reached out to me and said, Hey, Anthony, I've, I've written a book. I've written a book. And I said, Okay. He said, Could you help proof this book for me? And I was honored. Yes, Ken, I would, I would love to do that. And I was really caught by his last chapter in which he titled this, Platform for Him. And listen to what he wrote. He says, Along this journey, I've learned God's vision for my life is greater than my imagination." I would never have imagined joy from being bold with his message or joy from sharing his message with strangers. Sharing his message is now one of the biggest joys of my life. Prior to my diagnosis and his surgery, he says, I wanted to be a motivational speaker or a sales trainer. In short, I enjoy sharing a message with others. God enhanced that joy with an even greater one from sharing his message of love, sharing his message in the midst of the most difficult of diagnoses, circumstances and situations outside of his control that are devastating. Ken 
never lost hold of his joy in Jesus. In fact, he uncovered, and listen, I watched it. As doctors and nurses came into his room, he always shared the joy of Jesus and the gospel with those who would come into his room. Every time he steps in front of a group of people now, he runs a marathon and he places high in it and these runs for this glioblastoma. Every time he uses those platforms to share of his joy in Jesus and to point others to the joy that they can have in Jesus. You know one of the natural outflows of our joy in Jesus, of our rejoicing, is sharing that joy with other people. Is sharing that joy with other people. Man, it's, it's too good to keep to yourself. And we have a world that is dying for the joy that is found alone in Christ. You know what's amazing about rejoicing in Jesus and, and sharing that joy with other people? Is you know what we're doing? We're saying with our lives, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. Hey, but what happens if discouragement comes or you lose some battles? Hey, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hey, but what happens when we get distracted our lives or something? Hey, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. What happens when we start dealing with some sin in our lives? You ready? You remind that sin. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So every morning, I wake up. I hit that joy reset button. Every time I'm discouraged or I feel defeated, I hit that joy reset button. Hey, every time I'm distracted, I hit that joy reset button. Every time I start dealing with sin in my life, I hit the joy reset button. Because you know what? Paul had it right in Philippians 3.1. You ready? Furthermore, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write these same things to you is no trouble for me, for it is safe for you. It is your safe guard. Let me ask you something. Is Jesus your safe guard? Is Jesus your safe place? Is your joy secure and made strong in Jesus? Well, hey, if the answer is no to any of that, the joy of the gospel that Ken shares day in and day out, the gospel we share every Sunday and as many opportunities that we have is today. Jesus can not only be your Savior, he can be your safeguard in this life. And the question is, will you let him? Will you let him? Let's pray together, Ken. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.